We're so thankful again. Please give the choir another welcome and saying thank you to them for what they do for our band. Amen. Today we continue on with our current sermon series, uh, 24 Hours That Changed the World. We are looking at the 24 hours of Jesus' life that led to the cross. And of course, throughout the Lenten season, that may create different uh, areas of where he was. So last week we were talking about the, uh, the Lord's Supper. Today we're speaking another topic, and next week another one. But we want to make sure that we put all those scriptures and all those uh, things, that the, the stories we're going to be hearing, with one, what they call an anchor verse. An anchor verse will be able to put everything uh, together under that one umbrella. And that's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where the Bible says this. It says that, uh, <laughs> for God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And that's our anchor verse throughout all these weeks. And you'll hear that week after week to make sure that we keep that in the forefront, that Christ sent his son, that even while we were still sinners... Today we're going to be speaking about uh, another area that Jesus went to after his uh, supper with the disciples. I'm going to invite you to please open up your Bibles to um, chapter 26 of the book of uh, Matthew. I'll be reading beginning on verse 36. The words will also be up on the screen. The Bible says this. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, uh, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to, his disciples, to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them for a second time and prayed, My father, if, it is, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, meaning the disciples, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Let me just pause for a word of prayer. God, at this very moment, we just take a, a, a time to listen to your word. We've uh, sung the, the, the songs and we've given up our offerings, God, and we pray for those who are in need, whether joys or concerns. But now let us open up our, our minds and our hearts and our ears to receive your word today, to hear the experience that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hear today that after Jesus had the supper, which happened to be his last supper with the disciples, 
Remember last week I shared that even though he knew it was going to be the last one, he still decided to eat that last supper with his betrayer on the table. With the one that's going to deny him at that table. For those who are going to be scattered and run away at that table. But he did, he still wanted to make sure he led that example. He washed their feet and then now we find ourselves in this garden called Gethsemane where he wanted to go and take the three disciples with him and says, here, stay here, pray with me. I'll go over there and pray on my own. And so close by, he had those three with him. And he was praying, God, if you could just take this cup of suffering away, but not my will, your will be done. And imagine, you know, he even told the disciples the anguish that he was feeling. That the point is sold, uh, suffered to the point of death. Even in the Luke chapter 22, verse 44, it says that Jesus was such in agony and anguish that he was sweating and drops like blood. He was going through things. You have to understand that people, uh, they share that Jesus was the Son of God. But keep in mind that he was also the Son of Man. He already knew what the mission was, but in the midst of all that, he also had to think about his body. His physical body was going, what he, it had to uh, tor get tortured, and then everything that had to happen to it. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we don't know what we're going to get ourselves into when we hurt ourselves, but even a paper cut... I will be jumping up and down when I get them. A couple of weeks ago, I'm there opening up the mail at the, at the house, and I'm there talking to my daughter, you know, and I took the focus of what I was doing, and so I stick my finger. I, don't, I didn't have one of those letter openers, so I stick my finger so that way I'm talking to her, and I'm, you know how people do, you know? And then I, at one point, I'm like, I go like that, and it was like this fire and I just grab, I grab, and I'm just jumping up and down in the, you know. And she was like, what's wrong with you, right? Paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. I don't like dealing with paper cuts. But Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, he was in the point of anguish and suffering. So his body knew what he was going to happen. I can only imagine what he was thinking, what he was feeling. And then he goes back to and check on the disciples, and they're sleeping. He tells Peter, couldn't you just watch for one hour with me? Couldn't you just pray with me? Keep watch. And he goes back, and he prays again. God, if this cup can be taken away, but if I got a drink of God, let it be your will. You know, it's interesting that here, this battle, this going back and forth and what Jesus was going through was in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. But in the Bible, in Genesis, it also speaks of another garden, the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve were tempted. They had all that they had, and they can enjoy. But the Word of God said, hey, you can take any, you know, eat of any fruit of, of any tree, but except this one here. And of course, as you, many of you may know, the story of how they were tempted. And it was almost like saying, your will or God's will? And they took it upon themselves, my will. 
And when they ate of that forbidden fruit, here is their causing sin entered. So the Apostle Paul calls Jesus a second Adam. Here he's in the, the garden. Now I'm not saying in a way that uh, Jesus was tempted, but think about it for a moment. If Jesus nobody knew what the mission was, he needed to go through something very difficult, and that was through his, the sacrifice and the, and the torture of his body. Like anyone else, I don't think that you would want to be able to go through that. You would also, even if you had a mission in mind, you would also think twice. But at that garden, when almost the words are saying your will or God's will, then God's will be done. So he went back to the disciples and they were sleeping. I could just imagine his disappointment. It was like if, if they, when he saw them, he was like, ah. He already told them, keep watch. But you know what? Sometimes we really hard on the disciples. Sometimes we're hard on ourselves. But I don't know, if you're like me, after a good meal, oh, I just want to sleep, right? The disciples had this supper. And according to traditions, you know, they have a, a, several cups of wine, and, and so they were going to be out. But here Jesus, when he went to them, and then all of a sudden he saw them sleeping, he just went a third time and said the same prayer. So think about it, not my will, but thine be done. Not once, not twice, but three times. He didn't make a decision. He was in agony. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to use an example in my own life. When it comes to a point of agony, of making a decision, and you're not certain of things, you know, because you don't know what the future is going to hold, you don't know, if it be beyond yourself, you also may affect other people's lives. Back in 2002, that was my situation, where I was serving in military, and my first sergeant, the next day, he already said, hey, we're going to have everything ready for you for another six years. The only thing you have to do is just sign on the paper. You don't have to do anything else. And I don't know about you, sometimes think, uh, having it done for, you, uh, for me, I, I was like, that's a lot too easy, right? I don't have to fill out every, all the paperwork again. Everything's done. Just sign on the dotted line or you know, on the line and another six years. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, I love serving my country, but I also know that there was a calling in my life that I was already for years running away from. You see, God had placed in my heart that I was called to ministry, but I didn't want it. Uh-uh. I actually went into the military also to get away because I figured God wouldn't find me you know, wherever they send me. I was wrong. He found me. You know, God found me. So that night, uh, the reason why I put in, I talk about agony. Now, I'm not comparing myself to what Jesus went through, ladies and gentlemen. But any time that we're going to make a decision that's going to affect the lives of others, it was going to affect the life of my wife. It was going to affect the life of my children. Now, if it was by myself, it would be a lot easier. But then I had to go that night and try to figure out the, the checks and balances, the pros and cons of going into full-time ministry or staying in the military. Many of you know I was in aviation. I still love aviation, but wow, the opportunity of saying, hey, Ayala, uh, I need someone. You want to go fly? I said, absolutely. Let me get my gear, and I'm, and I'm with you. And the benefits, the salary, the things I was doing, you know, and did I like everything I did? No, but you know what? I still served. Here's what happened. Ministry, 
I know what I'm going to get paid here. I know what I'm getting paid here. Don't know what the, where God's going to lead me here. I know that I can serve my, you know, and I've been doing it for six years in military. They just give me orders and I do them. And I was going back and forth, back and forth, and I was just agonizing what decision I was going to make. I even involved my wife. I said, let's talk this over, you know, because I know it's going to affect you too. So I'm there talking in the middle of the night, and ladies and gentlemen, it's about 4 o'clock in the morning. And, we're, and, and I'm still talking, and I'm still, you know, sharing about this, and I look over, and she's sleeping. I felt like, Jesus, can't you stay up with me? I let her sleep. And it was good because I went back, ladies and gentlemen, it was between me and God, and I got to a place of nothingness. And when I say about nothingness is that it was no longer the benefits I was going to be, uh, that I was receiving or that I would or wouldn't receive later on. It was just between me and the awesome presence of the Almighty God that it was, I didn't, nothing else mattered. And in that place of nothingness, that moment, I said, you know, I was almost like saying, hey, God, if you go, I'll go. I didn't say your will, you know, not my will, but thine be done. In the way I did, but not in those words. I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to be getting myself into. I don't know where you're going to be leading, but God, if you go, I'll go. Don't leave me alone. I decided to answer that call only slept a few hours I went into the military uh, hangar and the, where the aircrafts were and I said to my superior I says I'm not going to be signing of course with the devastation and disappointment and well, frustration here and there that gentleman said well go and, and uh, turn everything in go to this place go to that place turn in your uniforms turn in your key turn in this and I'm, and I'm the whole day I'm just doing all that and as I'm passing by the hangar on, on, in the hallway, here's a, a warrant officer stops me. He says, and you know, the, the news travels fast. Young man, I heard that you're leaving the military to go to church or, or ministry. And I said, like, yes. He says, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And so it's almost like, you know, in the moment that you just already agonized over a, a response to the question, here, I made a decision, and it's almost like having those temptations of saying, are you sure? You can imagine if Jesus, you know, if the temptation, if it was to be able to, uh, the devil was tempting Jesus like he did in Luke 4, and Matthew 4, if he's saying, are you sure you're going to be leaving those individuals who, by the way, slept on, you know, while you, while you told them what to do, and they still didn't do what you told them. Are you sure you're going to leave them in charge? But you know what? I didn't waver when that warrant officer came to me and told me those words. Why? Because I knew that I knew that I knew that experience that I had a couple hours before. A place of nothingness, that it was just me and God. I could see just Jesus, just Jesus and his father as he's crying out to him. Take this away, but if, you, if not, you know, let your will be done. Now, here's 19 years later. Who would have thought that God would have had me in Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania? All right? I didn't know where God was going to be leading, but I needed, I, I, I needed to trust him. I agonized over that decision. 
But God, I have seen God work in miraculous ways throughout my years of ministry. For my wife and my children. For the church, uh, churches that I've served. I, didn't, you know, I, I wouldn't have had this experience if I would have stayed in the military. I don't think so. I want to be able to, uh, for you to take at least three takeaways from this message here today. When we're thinking about that hour, the last hour, the darkest hours in our lives, right? That Jesus was. He was saying to those disciples, he said, keep watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Sometimes when we're, feeling, when, when we're in the darkest moments, we feel like we're all alone, right? So I remember a scripture that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is what, ladies and gentlemen? Faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. As part of this message here today, we heard about Jesus. You heard about my personal story. You may go, you have gone through uh, times of agony and making a decision. And you know what? I want to share with you a few things. There will be times when we will go through agony. If we utilize the example of Jesus in the time of need, in the time of agony, draw closer to God. We saw how Jesus responded. He went to the Father. The second one is, there will be times when we feel no one is with us during our darkest hour. And you could probably, if I said give me an amen, you could, most of you would probably respond. When you have felt alone in the, most, in the time that you felt the most need, you felt alone. I'm so grateful for the Stephen ministers, the new Stephen ministers, and those who are currently serving. Because they're going to go side by side with individuals who are in need, who are seeking someone that they can, that, that they can talk to, and that they'll be able to listen the Stephen ministers helps out so much our pastors that we could provide that congregational care to all of you. Sometimes we may feel alone in our darkest hour, and there are people who have shared a few things throughout my life. And one of the, one of the sayings that I heard uh, that still sticks with me: when we're going through difficulty and we wonder where God is, remember the teacher is always silent during the test. Even if I raise my hand and say, oh, I need help here, no. The teacher is always silent during the test. And the third takeaway today is that there will always, there will always be times when the hardest thing to do is the right thing to do. Jesus knew the agony that he had to go through. He knew that it was going to be hard, but he still stuck to it. It was the right thing to do. And I'm so glad that he did because it's not like me that I was only worried about my wife and my children. But Jesus took on the sins of the world. And he knew the type of suffering that he had to go through. 
sometimes the hardest thing is the right thing to do. You see, the thing is when people say, oh, I gave my life to Jesus and everything's fine. It's gonna, everything's going to be easy. Jesus never, uh, uh, God never put it in my heart that things were going to be easy. I wish it was. But how about this? If you ha- are a follower of Christ, you've given your life to Christ, and you've had hard times, give me an amen. You're not alone. I'd be weary of someone who says, I gave my life to Christ and everything is fine ever since. It becomes a little easier when we do have the one we can trust. The one we can have faith, that, that, who remains faithful even when we fall short of his glory. That same God. The hardest thing is something, you know, sometimes the hardest thing is, is the right thing to do. And maybe God has not, been, has not been calling you into ministry, but he's been trying to put in your heart to do something. Sometimes it's a little hard, but if God has put it in your heart, I mean, evaluate it, keep on praying about it, ask someone, hey, what do you think about this? But sometimes, you know, God just wants to make sure that you go yourself to that place of nothingness, that it's just you and God and no one else. Because then you will know, you will know, you will know that it was God that placed it in your heart. Jesus did the right thing, and I'm so grateful. I don't know about you, I'm so grateful. Because I'm now believing in him, I can have life and life eternal. That yes, even though I know that death is the only thing guaranteed in life, but I don't have to fear the death because of having that eternal life in Jesus. If you're dealing with agony, ladies and gentlemen, we'll pray in a, in a moment here. But let's follow the example of Jesus in that Garden of Gethsemane that he went to the Father and he did God's will. Let us pray. God, we are forever thankful for Jesus, even in the midst of hearing that he went through the agony, the suffering. In the midst of feeling that he may have been alone because he brought his friends and disciples with him and they slept. To know, God, that the hardest thing that he needed to do was also the right thing to do. What a great example that we have in Jesus for our own lives. So God, we come before you asking you for forgiveness for even those smallest things that you have placed in our hearts to do and we did not accomplish it. We're so so thankful that we hear what Jesus did. For me and for everyone here, Lord. For those who believe in him. Help us through your precious Holy Spirit to make a decision for you. That let it not be our will, but your will be done. We thank you that you you have not left us alone even when we feel like it. That we can trust you, love you, and remain faithful and committed to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.